What's up, guys? It's Jim. Welcome to the Homeless Politicast. Hope you're having a fabulous day. Because if you're having a fabulous day, then I'm having a fabulous day. Well, I don't know what to say about the debate Tuesday night. That is primarily what I'm going to talk about today. A little review and fact-checking. And then, if we have time, I have... Oh, I don't know what you'd call it. It's kind of a eulogy or a mournful song about America. Not a song, actually, but uh, a lament, I guess you could say, about what's happening in our country. I'm just very discouraged right now. But before we get to that, talk about the debate itself, which was an absolute train wreck. It was the worst debate I've ever seen. And I believe it was, and this is just my opinion, but it's an informed opinion. I think it was the worst debate in the history of debates in this country, as far as presidential debates. Uh, there really wasn't any substance that was discussed. Uh, the moderator, Chris Wallace, was a disaster. Um, they treated him like a substitute teacher in school. Like I've had some of those substitutes where the kids are just rowdy and... The teacher can't control the room. They've just completely lost control, and they're just begging and desperately, like, please, guys, everyone calm down. You know, they're flying paper airplanes around, throwing throwing erasers at each other. Everyone's just talking and just like, please, guys, everyone, please, can we get back to class? Let's talk. And everyone's just – so, I mean, Chris Matthews brought up some interesting – or not Chris Matthews, Chris Wallace, I'm sorry. Chris, Chris Wallace uh, brought up some interesting – topics but they uh but i didn't really hear anything of substance as to what they're going to do in a second term or trump's going to do in a second term or what biden's going to do in a first term i didn't hear anything about any of that i just heard a lot of uh insults and shouts i mean it really i just i know i just used the comparison of like school kids but it it really reminded me sometimes i would go out help out at the old folks home and that's what it reminded me of is like two Old men at the old folks' home arguing over who gets the last tapioca pudding. Um, I mean, they just were very loud and just insulting to each other, like like a sequel to Grumpy Old Men, you know. And they're both like Clint Eastwood, <laughs> you know, yelling at each other, like, get off my lawn. Well, your lawn's horrible, you know, standing at the fence, yelling at each other. I mean, it was just, I was very disheartened. I'd been looking forward to this debate for a while. And it just, within five minutes, it devolved into just a shouting match. And I didn't care for it a bit. Um, but I do have to say a couple of things. Uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. Let me talk about Biden first. I thought it was really interesting. Biden's choice of words. I'm sure that he didn't mean it like this. I'm, I'm just going to give the guy benefit of the doubt. But when he said, I am the Democratic Party, um, it was in a response to President Trump and his, his – he was talking about how the, the party was going to be socialist and, and how he was going to uh, – uh, he would have a socialist agenda if he was elected. And Biden said, that's not true. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be that one. Trump said, well, your party did and that your party platform. Um, shows that you're going to be socialist. And he said, you know, that 
that is irrelevant. He said, I am the party. I'm not going to do that. So um, I assume he was just trying to make the comment that, and it is very true, that parties these days, I mean, platforms these days are completely irrelevant. They used to, the party would make out their platform of what they believed, and then they would find a candidate back in the days of old, which I prefer. You would find a candidate who fit what your party represented, and you would ask them to run for the nomination because they embody all of the ideas that the party believes. They'd make that first, and then they would find a candidate who would um, who would fit that. Nowadays, the party makes a platform, and it's just a chance for everybody to have their voice. You know, so the progress—we'll just say the Democrats, the progressives, and the moderates, and the. Uh, Somewhat conservatives, I mean, there's not a whole lot of them anymore in any party. There's not a lot of leeway, but for the sake of conversation, you'll have some conservative Democrats, you have moderates, you have progressives, very liberal, um, and you and you have to come together and work together. And everybody throws a little bit of their belief into the platform, so they feel like they've accomplished something. But in actuality, the candidate is not bound by any of those things in the platform, and very rarely, I mean, I've. I don't know if I've only looked at a party platform once or twice, uh, and that was years ago when I was doing some research. They are very boring, and in actuality, and like I said, they have a little bit of everything. If you read them, if you read the Republicans' platforms, you know they're nothing at all like what the what the candidate pushes because the candidate is their own independent agent. So I understand what Biden was saying when he said, "I am the Democratic Party," meaning you're electing me. You're not electing the party. You know, so if you vote Democrat, I'm the party. I'm the one that you're elected. And you got to listen to what I said I'm going to do and not what the party platform says. I understand completely what he was saying, but that just sounded so authoritarian. You know, I am the party. You know, I am the Democratic Party. But that was just a real big misstep. I mean, he really, uh, I don't know if they're going to use that against him, but certainly uh, it, it just didn't look good. It wasn't a good look. Uh, particularly after Democrats have complained about Donald Trump being too authoritarian, having the Democratic nominee say, I am the Democratic Party, just sounds freaky and very dictator, almost dictator-like, tyrannical, I guess would be the word. I didn't like that. I also, it, it bothered me that Joe Biden was asked a direct question about ending the filibuster and dividing the court, and he refused to answer it. I mean, he didn't. He didn't just. Did I? What did I? Adding seats to the court. I don't know. I might have said divide. I can't remember. Um. But anyway, ending the filibuster and and adding seats to the court, the Supreme Court. He was. Uh, he he didn't just um, brush it away or spin to a new direction like most politicians do. This time he just flat out refused to answer the question. I thought that was that was just deplorable. You can't refuse to answer the question. Um, and I, I think I think I don't have a transcript in front of me, but I think he said something along the lines of, "No matter what I say, it could be used against me." I mean, you're not being arrested here. Like you know, you can't. You have to tell the people what your what your position is on this. You can't say, "Well, I'm not going to tell you my position because then the other side might use it against me." I mean, that's just, that is ridiculous. So uh, those are two areas that I think 
Biden really messed up. And then, you know, I mean, there were some personal things that I didn't care for. I didn't think he did very well. I mean, he, he was in a tough spot. I will give I will give Biden this. I will give Biden this. He was in almost an impossible situation running against Trump. And I, I've talked about this a few weeks ago about how difficult it is to run against Donald Trump or a debate against Donald Trump because he's like a whirlwind. He's, he's like a tornado. You don't know what direction he's going to go next. And so you're constantly on your feet and you don't, you know, you don't know how to prepare for the next, you know, for what he's going to say because you don't know what he's going to say. In fact, it's my humble opinion that sometimes Donald Trump doesn't know what he's going to say before he says it. I mean, he's just as surprised as everybody. So he, you know, so if, if Biden just sat there and let Trump go off on him and attack him, and he just sat there like a lump on a log, he would have looked very weak. He would have looked um, like he was out of it. It would have looked like he's suffering from some kind of uh, a cognitive problem. You know, he's just sitting there staring. You know, he's not responding to Trump. But if he gets down in the gutter with Trump and starts trying to act strong, that's what happened last night at times. You know, it just sounded like two old men just yelling at each other. Like, and it wasn't profitable and it was annoying. And many people I know wrote me and said they're turning it off. Like, you know, they wrote me and said, I've watched some of it. I'm not watching anymore. I'm going to bed. I'm done. You know, uh, because it turned people off. They're like, I, I don't want to just sit here and to hear, hear two people yell at each other. Um, you know, it's a waste of our time. And that's kind of how I felt. But for me personally, it was kind of like watching a car wreck in real time. Like, you know, you need to turn away, but you just can't. You just want to keep watching. And that's kind of how it was. Like, it was an absolute disaster. And I kept thinking, I really should turn this off because this is just crazy. But, you know, I wanted, kind of wanted to see how it ends. You know, are, you know, are they going to pull, uh, pull weapons out and have a duel right there on stage? Are they going to start punching each other? I don't know. I mean, I was just kind of like, I want to see how this ends, but I don't really want to watch it. Um, so, so, I mean, so I have to say in Biden's defense, no matter what he did, it would have been critical. If he didn't do anything, we would have been saying, my God, he just sat there and took it. I mean, if he can't stand up to Trump, how is he going to stand up to Putin or President Xi or, or, you know, any of these people? But if he fights back, then it just, it just devolved into idiocy. So I, I have to say in Biden's defense, there really wasn't, wasn't any option he had that was good. Either way, he was going to be criticized. And so, um, so I can't be too critical of how he reacted because I would have been critical either way. So it was just a, t a coin toss of what of what he just felt at the time. Um, but yeah, that that bothered me when he didn't when he didn't respond to packing the court. Uh, that really disturbed me. Okay, uh, that's that's something for another time. I'm, you know, about about I'm not talking about packing the court with your party, but as far as adding justices and things like that. And, you know, we did at one time have a lot of different justices. We cut them back years ago and we cut them back quite a bit. And then we added them again till we got to, I think the nine that we have now. Um, there's nothing in the constitution that dictates how many justices you have or things like that. So that's a different time that we could talk about that. Cause it is an interesting concept of whether or not we should or shouldn't add or subtract justices. Do we have too many? Do we not have enough? Um, 
it is an interesting thing, and I, but I would, first of all, I'd like to stay on topic. And secondly, I would like to study out a little bit more and find out when we've changed it in the past, why did we change it? Why did we feel like we had too many at one point, cut it down, and then add back up to nine? Like what, what, was, what was the deciding factor? Like what were the arguments for and against? So I would like to study that out a little bit before I talk about it at length. But anyway, but I just thought that was disturbing that he just outright said, I'm not going to answer that question. And that, that really did bother me. President Trump, on the other hand, uh, I, I thought it came off kind of obnoxious. I don't, you know, he kept interrupting. He really, there was a couple of times that if he had just let Biden talk, Biden would have gaffed his way right out of the race. I mean, because Biden, you can't just, if Biden is just left to his own devices, he will say something stupid. And it seemed like every time Biden took a pause, like he was trying to think of the right word or, you know, and he started to look kind of weak or he started to go down a rabbit trail where you think, oh, he's going to say something here. Trump would interrupt and actually threw him a lifeline many times because if Biden did get confused, um, Trump jumped in and it looked like Biden was just pausing because he had this interruption instead of it looked like Biden's pausing because he can't think of what he wanted to say or can't think of the right word. So I actually think it get, it was a disservice for Trump to talk so much. You know, I mean, I totally agree. He needs to get his point out there. He needs to, he needs to stand up for himself, but I just thought it was a little too much. There were times he should have held back and let Biden just destroy himself. You know, um, one of the things that I'm kind of torn about Chris Wallace, I almost said Chris Matthews again. I don't know why Chris Matthews is on the mind, but Chris Wallace asked him about uh, the white nationals and would he disavow them. I have two opinions about this. First of all, it would have been very simple. I don't know why Trump just didn't disavow them. Uh, it would have been very simple. The whole thing would have been over if he had just said, yes, I completely disavow them. Um, I suspect that it's a pride thing, you know, that he was put into a corner, disavow them. And I think, I know a few people like like that, that like Donald Trump. And I think they just don't like being told, I want you to do it right now. You know, apologize right now or renounce them right now. Like they just, they kind of have an aversion to to then saying, okay, I'll do that. No. And I, I'm like that to a certain degree. I don't like being pressured into something. So if if you tell me, pick that up right now, um, I'm now determined really not to pick it up. You know, I might have had they asked me or had they, you know, nicely, or if they just hadn't said anything, I probably would have picked it up. But the minute you tell me, hey, pick that up. It's like, ah, really? Don't tell me to pick it up. I'll, I'll do it if I want to. So I kind of suspect there was a little bit of that, but it would have been very simple. And it would have erased a lot of, well, a lot of controversy. I mean, I guess it, people who like Trump, don't care and people who don't like Trump aren't going to care if he did disavow them but but just for the sake of the discussion it would have been very easy but the, the the other side of the coin that I think of is I'm just tired of people asking Trump to disavow the white nationalists because Donald Trump did and this is an area that I'm not a big Trump fan as many of you know I like some of the ideas that he talks about I just don't like him very much personally and I, I'm not I'm not a never Trumper or one of these I hate everything Donald Trump does, but 
but I'm also not a Trump cult follower either who thinks that Trump is the most brilliant, greatest man on the planet. He's, you know, he can do no wrong. Everything he says is right and true and righteous. And I'm just not like that. But I have to say in Donald Trump's defense, I remember this very well, that in August of 2017, when you had the riots in, um, in the clashes in Charlottesville, Donald Trump came out and said that um, – I'm paraphrasing it because I can't remember the exact quote. I, I, if I had known I was going to get off on this topic, I would have, would have brought it up because I have a transcript actually of the, of the event. And he says there were fine people on both sides, he said. I'm, and he said, I'm not talking about the Nazis or the white nationalists. I'm talking about the others that were there. There were fine people on both sides. And I remember that distinctly because I thought it was a very presidential thing to do. He didn't take sides. Well, he didn't side with the white nationalists, but he didn't take sides as far as saying it was all those crazy liberals and these politically correct people who caused all the problems he, because he said they were good people on both sides, meaning even on the left side, there were some good people who had good intentions. And on, on, and on the right, there were some good people with good intentions. And it got out of control. But he, but he, but I remember distinctly that he, he said, um, "I'm not talking about the white nationalists. I'm not talking about the Nazis. I'm talking about everybody else that was there. There were good people on both sides." And he said that twice. He said it there, and then he said it one more time. Like the next day, the press asked him again about it. You know, you said there's good people on both sides, and he said, "I'm not, I'm not talking about the Nazis. I wasn't talking about the Nazis or the white nationalists." And then after that, Donald Trump gave up because the press continued to keep saying that he's and, – and he released a tweet, I think it was, where he said, you know, I just can't win. I've come out two times and and said that I disavow them, and yet the press continues to keep saying that I'm not disavowing them, so I'm not going to keep coming out and repeating myself. I've already said it. And so that was an area that I thought was extremely unfair, and of course there's been a number of them, but, but just as far as this conversation. So – um, like I said, I, it would have been very simple, and I, you know, just to keep going with the debate, I don't see why he just didn't say, "Yeah, I completely disavow them. I've done it before. I'm saying it again. I disavow them." Um, and then that would have been the end of it. But he refused to do it, and now there's a lot of people who are making a big deal. That's their big takeaway from the debate: is Trump refused to denounce racists and white nationalists and Nazis, and you know. But at the same time. I, I just think it's ridiculous that he continues to be asked about this when anybody, anybody can pull up the clip. I I have a transcript of it, so I don't look it up. But if you're in the media, you have access to all the thousands of hours of Trump press conferences and remarks, and you have access to all of his tweets and all this other stuff. You could take five minutes to look at his remark after Charlottesville, and you would hear him say that he denounces them. So – I don't know why he keeps asking, getting asked about this, and I think that was just unfair that that they wasted time asking him to denounce these people. Um, so I, uh, that that just bothered me. Um, but I, I just I was not impressed. I was actually really sad about the whole thing because I just can't believe this is how we've devolved to in this country. What this what we've devolved to in this country, you know. I'm not even talking about the Lincoln-Douglas debates, which were long, extremely long. I mean, a whole day's event. 
like you bring your supper in a pail because you're going to be sitting there all day and night listening to these debates about issues of tariffs and slavery and states' rights and, and uh, you know, all the big issues of the day. Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank, blank as to what they all were, but those are three right there about state sovereignty and slavery and tariffs are almost always a big issue. Um, and, uh, you know, there may have been some military or foreign policy issues that might have been discussed. But they would have these long debates. And I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about go back to the 1970s and the 80s. The debates were much more informative. They were a little boring at times because, you know, it's just like having a business meeting at the church or something. I mean, you know, you're just listening to a bunch of numbers and and profits and the GDP and how much we're bringing in, how much we're spending and, and this kind of thing. I mean, the State of the Union was the same way. You know, it's 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 a little slow. It's not meant for entertainment. It's not meant to, you know, to make you laugh or make you cry or to make you feel some emotion. It's just meant to give you the facts. And they're very dry at times. And this is what I'm proposing. And this is what, you know, if we do a tax increase of this amount, it'll bring in this much revenue and we can afford to pay for this. And or if we cut taxes by this amount, we could cut we could cut this program and we could and then, you know, and then here's why this would be beneficial. I mean, you know, it's just a lot of money, talk about money and 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 liberty and different things and you know they weren't and they were interesting but they weren't entertaining i should say but now it's only been you know a couple of decades and now you just got people screaming at each other and the media is partly at fault the parties are at fault to a degree we're at fault for not putting a stop to this years ago just letting you know we're supposed to we are actually supposed to be the leaders of the country we're supposed to run the country um, they work for us. We tell them what we want, and they implement, or well, you know, theoretically, you know, they run and they tell us what they want to do, and then we approve of it and say, yeah, I agree with that. Go ahead and and do that. But now it's like we just put the country on autopilot and say, hey, you're the president, you just do whatever, and then we'll decide in four years whether we like it or not. Um, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous. You know, and the same thing with Congress and all that other stuff. I mean, we're really supposed to be running the show. They're supposed to be working for us. But we just put them on autopilot, so we can't. You can't really blame them. I mean, if you just put someone in charge and say, "Do whatever you want to do," you know, don't bother us with the details. Um, you know, then why are we surprised when they do what they want to do and they don't bother us with the details? They just come to us later and just like, "Hey, vote for me," you know. And I don't need to answer your question, you know, like Biden said. I don't need to answer. I'm not going to answer your question because that's how. That's the point we've gotten to where we just let the president, speaker of the house, the military, you know, the, you know, the governors just do whatever you want to do and just send us the bill, you know, and if we don't like it, we'll, we'll complain about it, but we're not actually going to do anything because we've seen this for decades now. Uh, and the politicians obviously know this. I know this. So I know the politicians know it, that people will get angry for a time, but they'll get over it. People were furious with the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. There were protests. There were there was anger. I talked to members of my family who said they would refuse. They're not going to get Obamacare. You know, this is ridiculous. You're not going to force us to get Obamacare. I mean, I heard about it on social media. I heard about it everywhere I went. I heard people angry about it, and then they did it anyway, and the people waved their finger and said, we'll remember this on Election Day. And... 
next thing you know, everyone's talking about the new Harry Potter movie or, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl or whatever. And nobody brings it up again. It just becomes law and everyone's like, oh, okay, well, it's law now. You know, people were furious when George W. Bush said we had, they had weapons of mass destruction in, in uh, Iraq. And they said, we do not want to go to war. This is the wrong war, the wrong place, the wrong time. Let's focus on Afghanistan. Let's get Osama bin Laden. You know, and there was outrage. And then everyone just, well, let's go on with our life. Um, you know, when Bill Clinton lied about his affair with Monica Lewinsky, I remember my grandparents, who I hate to admit it, were Clinton supporters. But, um, yeah, Thanksgiving was not fun around our dinner table that year. Um, but I remember when Bill Clinton had his affair with Monica Lewinsky and he lied about it and then he and then it was proven and he and he came out and he he admitted he lied about it. I remember my grandfather picked up the phone, he called his member of Congress and he said, Get that man out of that office. I do not want him in that Oval Office. Get him out. But they didn't remove him and my grandfather never really liked Clinton after that. Of course, he was almost done with the second term anyway. But we didn't hear a word about it. You know, and that's and that's what happens, and the politicians know that. Do whatever you want. The people will get angry, and they'll get over it. So it doesn't matter. You know, so if you sign a Muslim ban, and yeah, the liberals will come out, and they'll scream and yell, and they'll throw a tantrum, but they'll get over it. So you just do whatever you want to do. You know, the same thing with Supreme Court justice. You know, you want to put the Supreme Court justice on here, liberals are going to get upset, blah, 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 and they'll put her in, and then they'll drop it. And, uh, and but Republic, but uh, Democrats know that too. Like I said with Obamacare, Democrats know too that Republicans will rip their hair out, the deficit's too large. This is ridiculous. We shouldn't be going into Libya. I can't believe President Obama is doing this. Why is he doing that? This is horrible. This man's a traitor. He's a Muslim. He's, you know, he's whatever. And then they'll just drop it and they move on. You know, and that's and that's the problem that we have is the politicians know that the people are all talking no action. We'll we'll complain that our taxes are being raised, we'll get angry about it, we'll show our frustration, we'll get all over Facebook and Twitter and type out how angry we are, sometimes in caps, all in caps, you know. This is my country, and I will not stand for this, blah, blah, blah. And they'll recite passages from the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. And then in a week or two, they've moved on to something else because they're not – because there's too many distractions. We're not actually going to force our politicians to do anything. So, so they know this. I mean Donald Trump knows that. I mean that's why he just keeps going. But yeah, let them get angry. They'll just uh, – they'll get over it. They'll get over it. They'll find something else to be angry about. That's what Obama knew. Let them get angry. Let them protest. They'll find something else to get angry about. George W. Bush knew that. Yeah, they'll get angry. They'll 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 protest, but then they'll get over it. Uh, Bill Clinton knew that. Yeah, they'll get angry, but I'll just keep going. They'll eventually get over it. They'll move on to something else. There's something new on TV. There's some new controversy. Duck Dynasty is going to be canceled. Uh, Paw Patrol is going to be canceled. I mean, you know, it's you know, there's always something. I mean. With the Republicans, I remember there was a big deal under Obama that the rumor came out that the Duck Dynasty was going to be canceled. Republicans were all angry, and they were, oh, we're going to protest. We're going to cancel our subscription to A&E. We're going to get, you know, this is horrible. 
And I thought, why are you guys making such a big deal about some stupid TV show? You know, they know how to play you. They're just saying this, you know, to, to rile you up and just distract you from what Obama's doing. You know, because you're too, argue, too busy arguing about duck, duck dynasty to actually go out there and try to stop Obama's unconstitutional methods, the Patriot Act. And, well, he didn't do the Patriot Act, but he did the National Defense Authorization Act, which is completely horrible. We'll talk about it some other time. But it was an it was actual, absolute abomination. That one, he should be in prison, um, and he should, well, he should be punished for treason. And I'm not going to say it on the air, but everybody knows what the punishment of treason is. So he should be he should be convicted and punished for treason for what he did. Instead, we're all arguing about Duck Dynasty and whether you know and whether he put his hand over his heart one time you know he forgot to during the pledge of allegiance he forgot to put his hand over his heart and oh my goodness one time he wore a tan suit oh my god you would have thought that the stars and the moon collapsed because obama wore a tan suit instead of a dark one um i mean the republicans were just crazy against obama and nothing of substance the real things they should have been upset about they weren't they were just you know, and, and Obama knew that. I don't need to worry about these people. They're a bunch of kooks. They're just going to get mad about something small and they'll get over it. Donald Trump is the same way. He learned. You get in there and, you know, you put in a Muslim ban and people get angry. And, you know, and they're fine. I'll just keep going. You know, they're going to get mad. They get mad because I, you know, I said this. I did that. I tweeted this. I, you know, yeah, let them get angry. They'll be over it in a week because there'll be something else going on in the world or something else they're angry about. I mean, how many... Scandals have we, or so-called scandals, but I mean, they're scandals whether or not legitimate. But how many scandals have we gone through since Trump's been in office? I mean, things that are hair-raising that, you know, the media is slagging their hair on fire, and then in a week or two, they've completely forgotten. You know, um, that's what we do in this country. They, the politicians and the government knows very well that the people might get angry, but we're going to put up with it, like a, an abused spouse, you know. Yeah, it's horrible. Your husband beats you, but you don't leave him. You're going to stay with him. You know, and that's kind of how it is. You know, they're abusive to us. They treat us like dirt. They kick us around, but they know we're never going to leave. We're not going to leave. We're going to stick around. We'll get over it. We'll forgive them, and we'll just keep going. And it just really aggravates me that we've gotten to that point. And now, and like even here where Biden says he's not going to answer the question. You know, oh, yeah, so Republicans might get angry. You know, I can't believe Biden wouldn't answer the question. This is ridiculous. Biden needs to answer the question. Uh, yeah, by this weekend, nobody will even care that Biden didn't answer the question because we'll have some new controversy or something else that we're all going to be all worked up about. You know, and we're not going to hold them to it. We're not going to go out and demand Biden answer that question. We want to know before we vote, what is your opinion on this? He knows very well that nobody's going to care. And really, that's all it is, is that we act like we care. But in reality, people don't care. Because if you cared, you'd go out there and do something about it. You'd force them to answer these questions. You would take back all this power that they have. And that's that's another issue right there. People, if you are concerned about who's going to be the president because of all the things they can do to harm you, then the presidency has too much power. The President of the United States constitutionally has very little power. Read your Constitution. 
He has very little power. He's just the head of the executive branch. He's just the head of a branch. He has no power. The states have all the power, except for what's enumerated in the Bill of Rights. The states have the power. The only exception is in a time of war. The president has a tremendous amount of leeway because he is the commander-in-chief and he is waging a war. And so we give him the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't have to run to Congress or to the people every time and say, I'd like to take this hill. Can I get permission from you? It would take too long and it would give away information to the enemy. So during a time of war, we give the president a large amount of power and leeway so he can do what he needs to do to execute the war. But in a time of peace, the president has very little power. The only thing he really has is the pulpit. He can, he can uh, make issues seem important. I mean, Eisenhower talked about this, how the president has the ability to lift up an issue and make it of importance, or he has the, the ability to downplay an issue and make it not seem so important because of, the, of what he says. The president ignores an issue many times. Um, or back in the old days. Nowadays, the president has too much power. But in the old days, if the president brought up an issue, then it would become of national concern because the president brought it up. Otherwise, it was just a local concern. If, like the civil rights movement in the South, why would people in Hawaii care what's going on in, in Mobile, Alabama? Well, because the president of the United States made it a national issue. He talked about, he talked about it. Otherwise, it's just going to be in the local papers in Alabama and Mississippi and down in the South. You're not going to hear about it in New York and Michigan because it doesn't affect us. It'd be like maybe on the very last page, one of the last pages of the newspaper, because it's not local news. Um, we're more interested in what's going on in our state house and what the governor's doing and and things like that. Um, so, but he could also downplay things, you know, he can downplay issues that he doesn't want to talk about. That is what the power of the president has. You look back at what we call the weak presidents. And they were weak, we view them as weak because they followed the Constitution. There isn't very much a president does throughout the day. You know, The only time the president really, except for foreign policy, and even then he's supposed to get Congress's permission to do anything in foreign policy. Um, I mean, he makes treaties and he, uh, and he signs bills into law that has been passed by Congress. You know, there's, I mean, I mean, there's a few other things if you read I think it's section two in the Constitution, but he has very little jobs. He's not he very little, uh, very little, very little to do. He's not in charge of creating jobs. He's not in charge of the economy. He's not in charge of health care. He's not in charge of race relations. He's not in charge of, you know, almost any of these things. Uh, you know, but yet, so if you are scared, if Biden gets elected, oh my goodness. I, I'm so afraid of Biden get elected. He could make this country socialist. He could do all these horrible things. you know. Or if you're afraid of Trump, oh my goodness, he can deport all these people. He can do all these things. He can destroy our health care. He can, can do this. Then that should be a sign to you right then that we need to take the power away from the president. Now, no one man should have that much power. That is why we got rid of the monarch. Because we don't believe that that much power should be invested in one human being who is a fallible human being, capable of mistakes. We are capable of making decisions for ourselves. 
we don't need a king to make decisions for us. That was the idea, that we can self-govern because each of us as individuals are intelligent enough to make our own decisions. Because that was the idea back then. The king was the king was put in charge of the people because the people were too dumb. The king knew exactly what to do. He was the perfect person. He was God's chosen to rule over the people. And they said, no, we're capable of ruling ourselves. And we've completely destroyed it. Uh, I'm just I'm getting close to the end of the time. I don't want to just get off on a rant or start bawling. Um, because it just aggravates me that we've really destroyed the country now where I don't know if the people are capable of governing themselves. You know, you see what's going on out there. You see the type of people out there who are voting. And you think to yourself, I cannot believe that these people could be could make decisions that affect the entire country. I can't believe it. I can't even believe some of these people are allowed to drive a car, let alone make life and death decisions about healthcare and war and peace and and things like that. I mean, it's just it's just sad. So we've gotten to the point where I don't know if the people can govern themselves. You see what's going on in the inner cities, you see what's happening. But if we don't have the ability to govern ourselves, then we have to have a governor. We have to have a monarch. We have to have somebody who can rule over us and make our decisions for us because we're not able to. And if we do that, then we are no longer a republic. We're no longer a democratic republic. We Then it was a waste. Then all those people who died in the War of Independence wasted their life because we ended up realizing that, hey, we aren't capable of governing ourselves. We should have just stayed with England to begin with and let Queen Elizabeth rule over us. We should have just done that. If we're not capable of governing ourselves, but now we've dumbed down our kids for so long that now those kids are parents themselves. And some of them, and this was going on before I was even born, but I'm in my 40s. So it means at least everybody who's 45 and younger have now been so dumbed down that they have trouble making coherent decisions. And they have the attention span of a fly. Are we supposed to govern ourselves now? Or do we have to have someone rule over us until, you know, until our kids are old enough where they can govern themselves because they're the ones who are going to be educated properly? But then that's, again, why would anybody give up all that power? Say, I'll, I'll consume all power to be a dictator until, you know, for the next 20 years until these kids become old enough. You can't do that. I, so I don't, I don't even see how this is going to end. We can't continue like this. You and I just—I don't know what to say. I'm just disappointed, and I'm saddened by what has happened in this country. And and I could go for another hour or two. Um, I don't want to. My voice typically will eventually lull people into a deep sleep if I just keep talking, because I'm not really that interesting. I'm maybe in segments, but not not in long monologues and uh, and partly because we really do have the attention span, attention span of a fly. I do too. And after about 40 minutes, we start saying, okay, let's find something on TV. Let's do something. I'm tired of just listening. So 
So it's a good mark, and it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's just how we've been conditioned by television and everything else. So, but anyway, next week is the vice presidential candidates debate. I'll probably watch it. I'll probably end up watching all of the debates. I'm some kind of a sadist, I guess. I I shouldn't. I should just call it quits right now and say I've given up hope that anything's going to get any better. Um, my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, that neither of those two men up there deserve to sit in the Oval Office. Obviously, regardless of what your political beliefs are, you believe that one of them is better than the other, even if you don't really like the one. And that's how it's going to be. Most people are going to vote for the person they think is better. Well, at least it's not Trump, or at least it's not Biden. You know, and that's a pretty sad testament. That's nothing to be proud of. When you voted for someone, I don't really want him, but he's the best we got. That's that's the best of the two options. That is pretty freaking sad when we have to make that kind of a decision in this country. We're not voting for somebody. We're not voting for the best and the brightest. We're not voting our hopes and dreams and what we want to accomplish and where we want to take the country. We're just saying, I just don't want that person to have it, so I'm going to vote for this person. Uh, I weep for an issue. So, Anyway, probably not the most uplifting message today, but I'm just, after watching the debate, I'm just not really in that great of an uplifting mood. I'm just really disheartened and disappointed. So, anyway, um, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. Um, next week, probably, uh, you know, it'll probably be a little bit better. I'll try to cover some movies next week instead of just covering the whole debate. Um, so, anyway, have a great week, guys, and we'll see you here next time. Bye.